Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening. And please, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. Dave. Uh, and Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good things. Yeah. And then one of us does that. What kind of good thing? I don't Is know. me? I bet Craig's got one. Uh, no. Sure, I got a couple. All right. Quick recap for you guys. Uh, I've read five books of Cradle. It's still good. I will be buying more. I mean, unless, like, the next half of the books I have for free are bad. But uh, I've heard from Mike it's not, so yeah, that's happening. Um, Grounded, still fun, still playing that. Like, I don't have anything new, so I'm going to talk about... Uh, we went we went to the zoo today. Um, that's not my good thing. Uh, we went to a Delaware Zoo, and I'll be honest, it sort of stinks. Um, well, that's because all the animals are pooping in the corner. Except for the ones in the round cages. I don't mean that kind of things. It's just it's just very small um, and doesn't have a lot. And it just sort of makes me sad. Um, and I don't know. There's something about the Delaware zoos that aren't very good. But that leads me to my good thing, which is the PA zoo that we have a membership to, uh, which is called Elmwood Zoo. They're actually really good. And I'll be honest, I'm not really a fan of zoos. Like, I'm, they sort of bother me. I don't like having like animals in cages. Um, however, I could tell this who they number one, they actually care about the animals. Like there's a lot of enrichment and everything. These are animals that are typically injured in some way, so they can't actually survive out in, in the wild. So like they're they're being cared for. They, you know, get a lot of donations and money to rehabilitating the animals and doing other good things. And I'm like, it serves a good purpose for what it does, and I'm happy about that and plus it's like super quality like they have a petting zoo area they got lots of different animals and exhibits they're going to expand and almost double the size in the next couple of years and add like this big tiger area and everything it's it's actually sort of exciting so uh if you're ever in the pennsylvania area i know people have talked about the philadelphia zoo i have not actually seen it since i was a kid so i i have no concept uh but this one is like i don't know 45 minutes out of Philly. So uh, I do recommend it. It's called the Elmwood Zoo. If you like zoos. Um, yeah. I love zoos. And strange coincidence, I actually went to my local zoo yesterday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Do you have a membership or just to visit? I do have a membership, actually. Um, and so I took my friend and his kid and uh, we roll oh, up nice. at the zoo and... Um, not having realized that it was their Halloween event. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. This this Same. weekend and next weekend, and so we didn't know that. But we get there and like it's all decked up for Halloween, and they're handing out trick or treat bags. And so there were like trick or treat stations around the zoo, and they had little carnival games and like a hay bale maze, and um, and we we rode the train because you have to ride the train, and it was the haunted train. They had like set up <laughs> uh, actors uh, around every 
corner basically um playing wow. out little playing out little scenes so like there was a mad scientist experimenting on something and uh they they played some audio like i think from a frankenstein movie over the train's pa system so it was like it's alive and then um like they they had a creepy mummy and somebody dressed as Anubis for another one and they played part of the mummy soundtrack, the good one with Brendan Fraser. And um and in the um the maintenance barn that they have, they had decorated it up like a jungle and they had like a full size T Rex uh animatronic wow. head in there from one of the one of those traveling dinosaur exhibits that the zoo has hosted before. And um they went all out they did it was super cute and super fun and um yeah i had a great time so zoos are a good thing in my opinion mine uh the tulsa zoo is also big on conservation and uh they'll, they'll tell you on all the little placards you know why uh each animal is there like you know yeah. the, their um their sea lion exhibits uh it's like yeah these ones were injured in the wild and they they somebody determined that they couldn't survive out there so now they live in the zoo and um and and they've got that for several of their animals and um i just think it's cool they have an entire conservation building i'm just gonna wax eloquently about my zoo because i love my zoo um but yeah the conservation building is is pretty dope and uh there's a window in there where you can uh see the zoologist um working uh like with um you know, taking care of reptile eggs and uh, doing veterinary tasks and and it's stuff. Like Jurassic but, Park. Yeah, a bit like that, except mm. that these animals are <laughs> unlikely to eat you. So completely unlike Jurassic Park, in that your zoo was actually staffed. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they don't just have one guy doing the the technology part. Like that. Mm, okay. I got to I got to dig into this now. <laughs> so, the main complaint with the people visiting Jurassic Park should have immediately been this is a combination zoo and theme park and let and you don't have staffing for both. You also don't have staffing for either. John Hammond. <laughs> I mean, it, it was running the snacks then. I mean, it wasn't actual opening yet. no expense except for, no for expense. that one. <laughs> Except that there was there was supposed to be automation to replace the the staffing. Except none of the automation worked right. A lot of it was really badly thought out, like locking people in jeeps with the windows up in an island off the coast of Costa Rica. That's that's a bad idea, man. Hey, Mike, why don't we talk about Dave's good thing? Ah, uh, all right, Dave, what's your good thing? Ah. Uh. My good thing. Um, I got a new job. I start tomorrow. Yo, congrats! Um, yeah. What you doing? Ignore me. Uh, I don't know. Cool. Nice <laughs> but, job. Uh, I'll be doing it three days in the office and two days at home, Monday through Friday, nine to six Eastern time. That is a stable schedule. That is unlike the restaurant yep. business. <laughs> I spent the the last week uh, practicing getting up on time. And I, I did pretty good. I give myself a B plus. I'm really bad at that. That that is that oh, is same. not a skill set that I have. Nope. Very bad at it. Very much. I hear that. I even went to bed by midnight most days. It's really good I can work from home because I would be in a lot of trouble. Bed by midnight, asleep sometime before five AM. 
I don't usually spend too much time before falling asleep. Well, congrats. Hopefully it, you know, pays good and is good work and you enjoy it and yeah. Yeah. So does that mean that since you have a more stable schedule, you'll want to be in more patron content? Possibly. Although I have not yet found a free audio version of The Wizard of Oz. I'm sorry, The Magnificent Wizard of Oz, or whatever the book's actually called. Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Now, how is one supposed to remember that? I mean, Besides you can get free e-book, <laughs> but yeah, audiobook is almost certainly going to need to be paid for. Hmm, maybe I'll just get it. Ooh, what if you got the, uh, the e-book, which is free because... This was printed long before any current copyrights exist. There's a phrase for that, and it's just gone from my brain. Anyway, what if you got that and then recorded an audiobook? Hmm. And then listened to it. I'd be competing with Anne Hathaway. I mean, if you're going to compete with someone, compete with Anne Hathaway. (laughs) Uh, All right. I think Dave's good thing is good. So I guess it's my turn. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's my turn. My good thing this week is Portal. You guys remember Portal? Portal is great. Oh, man, you're about to become the the past future president of the Staying Alive Club or whatever. Yeah, uh, I decided to open up Portal and play it for a little bit. Uh, have you uh, never played it before? Past president oh, no. of the Staying Alive Club. What was that? I've I've beaten the game a couple of times already, okay. um, but not for like a decade. So decided to open her up. See if it was still good. It's still really good. The last time I played Portal was when the Steam controller was new, and I that was the game I decided to try out the new Steam controller on. And uh, it's it's decent. Um, I wish it had a D-pad and that the face buttons weren't in such an awkward position. But it had dual touchpads, which was cool. Uh, so yeah, that's that's just me letting you know that Portal has withstood the test of time thus far. Still really I will say, game. I actually replay Portal 2, like, every year. Oh, yeah. Wow. I caught Portal 2 on, like, a super steep sale and bought it for, like, two bucks a few months ago and haven't touched it yet. I purchased, so, Portal came with, like, Half-Life 2, and I forget, maybe Counter-Strike Source. I, I forget what else. It was, like, came bundled. Okay, it was the yeah. orange box. It came, yeah, this. exactly. It came bundled together, and... I already knew I liked Half-Life, so I'm like, I'm all in. Like, I liked Half-Life. I got the two pseudo-sequels, I guess expansion packs, whatever you want to call them. Um, So I was all in. So I'm like, I was really looking forward to Half-Life 2. I'm like, hey, what's this Portal game? Let's load it up. And oh my gosh, fell in love. Good stuff. Guys, if you've never played Portal or Portal 2, uh, do that. Hmm, I have played Portal, but I have not played Portal 2. Oh my god, I, I still need to get my wife to play Portal 2. She's played Portal 1, she liked it, and I'm like, oh man, I can't wait for you to play Portal 2, I want to watch you play that, and then she never did. Alright, Tori, you know how in Portal you have this, like, amazing, lovable, hilarious character, GLaDOS? <laughs> right? So Portal 2 has GLaDOS. And it also has a little orb robot voiced by Stephen Merchant. And it also has the company CEO of Aperture Science voiced by J. Jonah Jameson. Tenzin Avatarson. Tenzin Avatarson. J.K. Simmons, also known as Tenzin Avatarson. <laughs> uh, so I'm looking at the Steam page. Portal right now is 10 bucks. 
the orange box still exists. And it's oh, yeah? Half-Life 2, Half-Life 2 Episode 1, Half-Life 2 Episode 2, Portal, and Team Fortress 2 for 20 bucks. Although I could have sworn that Team Fort 2 went free to play forever ago. It did go free. Elle's pants are orange. All right. T- Tori, good thing? Oh, are we done with Portal 2 now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we're done talking about Portal. Okay. Um, so it's uh, at the time of recording. It's October, October 20 third today uh and, and so for spooky season i've been i've been watching some scary movies i found a good creepy scary movie um it's called as above so below and i don't remember which streaming service i found it on because i just did a search for scary things on my fire stick and that you know it searches all of the things that i'm logged into but it's free somewhere um and the plot is that uh there's this archaeologist, and she's pretty convinced that there is uh, some treasure hidden in a secret tunnel in the catacombs uh, under Paris. And uh, so she enlists the aid of these like urban explorers to to go in there and like try to find it. And so they end up taking a wrong turn, and and like basically they're on their way to hell, and they don't know it. Like uh, lots of. Um, creepy moments like some psychological like like you like the camera will turn and there's something spooky there and like um good scary movie yeah sort of thing a little bit like jump scare but not like uh it's jumping out like "Ah!" but more like you you know when the camera pans over something and and there's something very wrong there and the characters don't know it but you get a good look at it oh there was a lot of that going on and um yeah it was it was good. It scratched my my uh, spooky itch, is what it did. So if if you're in the mood for a scary movie and and not too gory, um, uh, but with with the psychological scary, uh, it's called As Above, So Below. Cool. Um, if you do want gory and just real gnarly creature effects, check out The Fly by David Cronenberg. <laughs> That's classic. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis. It's ooh. Alec Baldwin, Michael Keaton. No. Wait, are you talking Earth Girls Are Easy? No, I'm That's talking about the plot. No, but. Because that also has Jeff yes. Goldblum and Gina Davis. Not yes, Jennifer it does. Aniston. Gina Davis is in that too. Who? JTT? Jennifer Aniston? What? Earth Girls Are Easy. Wait, Gina what? Davis uh, I, Jennifer I don't Aniston. Think so. No, it's got downtown Julie and Judy Brown or. Uh, that she was an MTV uh, VJ. A Jennifer Aniston was in one of the uh, Leprechaun movies. I do recall from. that. Yeah, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, Earth Girls Are Easy is a good thing. <laughs> like I love that movie. It's hilarious. Oh my gosh, it's so weird. Oh, I've determined from watching The Fly yesterday that while Jeff Goldblum has aged spectacularly, he looks amazing. And he looks very different from when this was filmed. Like, there is definite aging, and he's done it very well. Gina Davis has not aged. She looks exactly the same. That takes skill. Yeah, and while Jeff Goldblum has aged well, oh, he was a hottie back then. OMG. I mean, I would argue that he still is by many metrics. Yes, but different metrics. And now we're back to Jurassic Park, where Jeff Goldblum... (laughs) Laying laying down injured exactly, gave right. off super sexy vibes. <laughs> uh, but we're not talking about that right now. 
Instead, we're talking about a book. Good chapters. 11 through 13 of Oathbringer 2. Oh, hey. Who read chapters this week? I did. I read Oops. Did you read Cradle just like Craig did, Dave? Craig Dull. Chapter 11. Okay. (laughs) Asymmetric shoulders. Uh, That's that's not the title of the chapter, but I felt compelled to write down asymmetric shoulders. There's an art splash page of fashion. Yeah. And it wasn't that the the clothes, I mean, were asymmetric, but that's whatever. But also the female and singers, like the actual chitin on her shoulders was asymmetrical. And, you know, I guess I don't follow uh, the Greek standard for aesthetics, which is fine. All right. Apparently, they could make steel in ancient days, but maybe it's not mass produced on Roshar yet. So in real life, they could make steel like way back in ancient times. So I was wondering, because they talk about how they use iron to attract properties to a spren. And Navani in her note says, you know, theoretically, they're should be experiments show that, that there could be a metal repels it so like no they have they definitely have steel they don't okay. have industrialized steel because they don't yeah. mine they don't have coal deposits to mine or they probably mm. do but they don't they don't mine them true yeah, so well, maybe steel is more rare than i i thought about and you have heating fabrials that can handle you know if you have to do any blacksmithing you have heating fabrials that can handle that without needing fire a lot of times they don't have fire because fire is weird on Roshar because there's a higher oxygen percentage. Is that so? Yeah. Okay. Leshri is home from her date. Venli can look at a singer's <laughs> character sheet by peeking into Shadesmar. The Stormsetter's apprentice. Her name's Kaladin is alive, but Leshri might not get to fight him again. I would read a YA series called The Stormsetter's Apprentice. Wasn't that a Mickey Mouse short? No, that's a Nick Cage movie. <laughs> wow. Uh, Lesion the Pursuer. Remember Yokska? That's Adolin's Taylor. He who quiets the human. Venli wants to sunder all shackles. Ask for the billionth time what order Venli is and what her surgery. She's a Stone Warden, right? Incorrect. Oh. Stone Wardens are Talm. Is she... What Venley could that doesn't make Venley not one. Uh, okay. is well, she's, the, uh, she's a will shaper. Oh, the same as one that we've never seen before. We have never seen a will shaper. Okay, what about Venley? Well, technically, she's not one either, right. but her so, thing is. So, I guess so. What are her surges? I guess rockiness isn't one of her surges because that would be stone wardens and bondsmiths, right? No, she does have cohesion. Remember, it mentions rockiness. in the chapter that she tried to do a little bit of it but then the the alarm went off it says in the chapter you know okay so she's got like just to watch out for void spren and she can see into the cognitive realm so she knows when they're nearby but uh they don't seem to be attracted by her using her luckiness power okay the rockiness power yes there was something else in the chapter that she could have done oh okay maybe maybe i'm not i don't know secret spren those are the those are the alarm spren that tell on her when she's using her rockiness power. Yep. Maybe the lookiness comes from the void spren. Leshwi suddenly returns. Something dangerous is happening. So yeah, Venli has two spren living in her. A void spren and a light spren. 
No, so she has she has No, that's that's correct. The the Void Spring oh. is imprisoned. The Light Spring is just hanging around being a jailer. I was I was saying she has Tambor and Tambor sorta of ate the Void Spring, so she still has the Void Spring, <laughs> but Tambor is basically doing everything. Like it's like mimicking Tambor the, what didn't she would eat have. the Void Spring. It's trapped in her gem heart. We get this a bunch of times. She ate it. She's just, I, she's hiding in my mind she Tambor ate it from the fuse. Anyway. There's something else that we're told she could have done, which is go into the cognitive realm, but it's really hard to get back, and it's dangerous while yeah. you're there. Who else has done that? Yasna. So she so, shares a surge with Yasna. Yasna which surge is that? Smoke and fire. No! <laughs> oh, so close. Yasna Smoke, fire, surge. and crystal, Dave. Come on. Crystal's not a rock. Crystal's not a uh, an element. Oh man, we gotta no, go. No, Crystal. Crystal is that again. dude in the alleyway. No, you're thinking of Miracle Max from Princess Bride. That was Crystal. So I, I don't know the name of the else caller surges. Sorry. Transportation. So shares, transportation. Okay, so she shares the transportation with else callers, and then also the Stone Warden Rocky Correct. cohesion. Cohesions. Cohesion. Not at. Not to be confused with adhesion. Cohesion. Okay. So, so it's the rockiness puts stuff together, not the rockiness. Shape rock, which is the same thing that the Bondsmiths get. Bond, I just listened to an episode where we talked about the Bondsmith surges, and you yep. remember you specifically saying it wasn't adhesion, or it is adhesion. It's not cohesion. That so right. Bondsmiths have adhesion and, and... Poopenmeyer the third. <laughs> what? Hold on. Uh, Hang on, I'm looking this stuff it. up so we yeah, can get. Yeah, I might I, I I look it up. Right, go over the bullet points. Okay, Will Shapers. Get transportation and cohesion. Stone wards yes. get cohesion and tension. Bondsmiths get tension and adhesion. Windrunners get adhesion and gravitation. Yeah. And then we continue rotating, but none of that's relevant right now. Rotating. Am I doing the bullet points, Dave? Or am I doing the summary? Yeah, you got this. All right. This is a Venli uh, perspective chapter where they're sort of taking care of the, the tower that um, the different fuse live in. Uh, in this case, Venli works for Leshui, so they have nice, huge towers, and they Leshui at least likes to be up top. Um, not all of the fuse though get a, get their own like special seating; just some of the best ones. Leshui is considered one of the higher up uh, fuse, uh, and and Venli believes it's because she still has most of her mind intact, so she gets a, a little bit of a a nod in that direction. Anyway. Venli starts talking about some of the abilities that she has. She can peek into Shadesmar, and therefore she can essentially see if anyone's hiding. Uh, she can see what type of spren is in someone's gem heart because she can actually see it in the cognitive realm. So it's it's a really super useful ability. She has that. Um, the storm. Oh, storm setters apprentice. So she has a a singer. That, oh yeah, um, there's someone whose job it is to pack up all her stuff during a high storm and then put it back when the storm's over. That's what a storm setter is. Yeah, so they need a new one. Uh, Leshui needs. Oh, no, he needs, needs a new a, assistant. Yeah, needs a new assistant to the storm setter. Um, so assistant so, to the regional storm setter. So Venli's like, here, how about this one? And uh, Schumann, she's she's super nervous uh, because he, here's a fuse who could strike her dead if she wanted to, I guess. Um, so super intimidating, but you gotta, gotta be passionate because fused appreciate passion. They're working with Odium and Odium likes passion. 
So you got to show passion. So be um, passionate, keep but not too passionate and follow orders, but don't just follow orders. You got to, you got to rebel a little bit, but don't really rebel. Yeah. That's just how it is. Yeah. And Schumann's greatest fear is that one of these will take over her body and send her soul bye-bye forever. And they talk about that because you do need to accept it. The fuse keep telling people when that happens, us people, singers, when that happens, to accept it into you. And that making that sacrifice is the best thing they can do for their people. Didn't so Venley rejects the fuse? Venley was partially accepting it, but uh, I think Tamber had an effect at that point, right? Because it's like she started hearing other words. So Venley, she was going to accept the fuse into her body, but then it sort of... No, t- this is before Tamber, I'm sorry. Um... Venley yeah. said no at the last second, and the Stormfather stepped in. Yeah, so that's why she got a regal form instead of became a fused. Um, anyway, so Venley asked. So a- after the whole meeting and everything, y- you could see them all relax uh, because it's just the people that that help take care of Leshui and Venley. So it's like ah, kick back, relax. No more, you know, showing off now. Um, they talk. Kaladin. Um, this is we get to hear Leshui's perspective of the fight that she had with with Kaladin and basically made a made a comment that, you know, that there was a bit of a draw back and forth. But it looks like they won't be fighting much anymore because um was his name is his name Lizian? Kaladin. The pursuer? No, not Kaladin. Lizian. Lizian the pursuer. And you would be forgiven for calling him Legion because yeah, basically. Legion the pursuer. Um, so he gets a fun title. The audio book does call it Lesian. So, um, it sounds like he's going to be popping up more. We, of course, seen him. He's the red lightning dude. And then he who quiets the human who we, of course, know and not love is Moash. Um, well, Moash used to be Moash. Now he's Vire. Vire, which means he who quiets. Oh, Vire. That's like the guy from Zelda and you hit him and he turns into... Yeah. What's so a anyway, game? oh, a game. So after the meeting with Leshui, Venley goes down and talks to her accomplices and in, in the singers, including Schumann, who she just made an apprentice. It's all about getting people that she knows and trusts uh, surrounding Leshui. Um, and it sounds like maybe they're intending to get Leshui to sort of be on their side, because that way, if they get Wait protection from Fuse, they can. Leshweaver? She's a return. <laughs> What? Wait, what? what if Lechwe is Blushweaver? They basically have the same name. And we know that on Rotar, if your name is similar to someone's, you're the same person. I think Dave's figured it out, guys. He and if, Lech- if Blushweaver was a returned, how did she die? She was already dead. Hence, this this theory is airtight. Anyway, um, so Venley and her people are planning to get out. Like, they don't appreciate this whole sacrificing themselves to put the fuse in them they don't necessarily agree with odium i mean venley already she was a listener um technically they rejected odium she just wanted a form of power to let her people survive unfortunately the form of power led to the fuse and odium so uh that's all sad and everything um venley so it's the last listener that she knows about um I think we had it was at the end of the last book where she's like, I'm going to start teaching you about listeners like that. That was one of her interludes. Right. So this is sort of the effect of that. She has some people who have listened to her. They're not I guess they're proto listeners. Um, Anyway, they're planning to get out and and have their own nation. 
Um, maybe they can get Leshwi on the side. Venley was feeling Lesh, uh, Leshwi out by testing, like, what do you think of humans? Not not like directly asking, but what do you think of the fight against a human that you keep fighting against? Like, yeah. she wants to see if, she res- if they can respect them. Not to them. be confused with the Colas. Yes, correct. Thank you for that correction. Although we do know on Roshar, if you have a similar name as someone, you're the same person. So I think that means Kelsier is human to Kolos. How about Kaladin <laughs> and Kalad? How come we've never yeah. had that one, Dave? And Kaladin is also Kalad, the human Kolos. So just like Kalad's... the Knights Radiant in in Oathbringer, if you start using surges when there's you know fused around, they swoop in and be like. Rah, rah, rah. So Guys, they, there's Brandon a break. There's only 26 letters in the human alphabet. The the lowercase h human alphabet, and also you mean the English alphabet because there's different alphabets. Anyway, right. there's alarm spren that like if they see you doing surges, they'll uh, you know swoop down. However, certain things not necessarily. I guess I guess it depends on if you're actually using a surge, but they're not always alerted. So uh, you know peeking into Shadesmar, that's cool. But trying to shape rock, that's no bueno. Um, so the lookiness, I think you, you sort of gathered it. It's very similar to something that um, Yasna can do. So that, I believe, comes from the, uh, the transportation surge. So it's a, it's from Tambor, not from Voidsprint. But then at the end of the chapter, Leshwi starts coming down. Like all of a sudden, it's like, what the heck did we get figured out? Because they were having a secret meeting. So quick, act, act natural. But instead, Leshwi's like, you need to come with me. So, um, yeah, there you go. End of chapter. Neat. You want to talk about some more chapters? Uh, yeah. All right. How about, how about Yaxka? Pretty cool to see Yaxka again, huh? Oh, yeah. I see that Craig avoided saying a Thalen name. Where? Did I miss Yoxka. it? Yaxka. I, I don't know who that is. I'm it's sorry. the Taylors. She... Oh, she has she... Team Radiant when they visited Kolinar. Okay, thank because, you. Cause because I actually he... forgot. Lesh, we demanded a tailor, so um, Adolin's v- tailor is the yeah. best you can get. Venli recruited Yaxka because the the singers don't have any tailors yet, and and Leshwi was like, "No, I can't use a human, even though it's a Thalen, but human can't use a human. It would look bad. Have they the human have train tailors. some singers." But if you have tailors, you can make your own bags and you can get a nice enchantment for your cloak. Chapter 12. Oh, so yeah, I'm sorry. Before we do that, so uh, Venley also has this Void Spren. Is the Void Spren the thing that gives her the licky powers? Or maybe not. No, that's, I guess that's, that's the part of being a Will Transportation Shaper. Surge. The Transformation mm. Surge also lets you look into Shadesmar. Okay. The, what, that Transformation is the one that Shalon has. Right. And transportation is the one that Yasna. Right. But both of them let you look into Shadesmar, which is why Shalon can do it. And Transformers is the movie with Shia LaBeouf. Correct. Chapter 12. A way to help. Kaladin must look really bad if Sigzel offered to wait on battle report. Kaladin is not <laughs> as good at suppressing his Aww. despair as Kelsier was. Or is. It just struck me again that Dalinar traded a shard blade for Bridge 4. I think he made out well on that deal. And he got more people besides Shard too, right? Uh, he Kaladin, got all the bridge people. And all, yeah, of a, all of them. A bunch of them have started getting their own shard blades, so really. Yeah, right? There are a lot, like Bridge 13 at least, right? He essentially got all the Windrunners runners and all the Windrunner squires 
and then some. Yeah. Man, Best if Sadius ever. was if Sadius was still alive right now, he'd be so mad. Yep. It's a good thing that Dalinar killed him officially. I bet he would give his left eye for some of those shard blades. Hey, and if he were a radiant, he could regrow it. All right. Uh, Kaladin makes it to his room. Barely. Treasonous Syl. Treasonous, loving, adorable Syl. And Adolin was there too, I guess. Uh, scene break. Adolin goes to the bar with Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface. Is Adolin married? Who's your... Kaladin is being set up, but he who's, just who's wants my to be upset. <laughs> you made you missed it. Talked over a joke. There's so few of them. You've ruined the podcast. <laughs> Your it's someone's name, obviously J O R. All right, Kaladin is being set up, but he just wants to be upset. Doc, nah. Shalon is getting worse. Pattern thinks. Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface wants Adolin to be a Radiant, but Adolin is too loyal to Maya. Numihuku Makiyaki by Lunamore. Sad emoji. So this scene starts off with Kaladin breaking through the crowds and making it back to his quarters and having suicidal thoughts when suddenly Adolin shows up at the door with Sylphrena on Adolin's shoulder. And Kaladin's like, stupid, loving, adorable, treasonous Silphrena. And, you know, she, like, kind of saves his life and stuff. And Adolin's like, swear to me that you should be left alone tonight. And Kaladin's like... Yeah, with an oath. Right. <laughs> with an with oath. An oath. Like, yeah. And Kaladin's like... Can't. And Kaladin's like... Really, Adolin, Sylphrena, your idea was to get Adolin of all people. And Sylphrena is like, well, I had to get someone that you couldn't intimidate. And I think if uh, I grabbed Queen Yasna, she would just turn you into a crystal or something. Wait, wait, <laughs> so Adolin there's, there's three. Three people, up to three. At max, three people. So, so four I, to three, I assume, Dave. I assume the third is Dalinar. You bet. Could you Maybe imagine Dalinar bet. being... <laughs> intimidated by uh, yeah, anything, anybody. He's like, he's like, hi, Marshal. I command you not to kill yourself. And Kaladin would be like, yes, sir. But he would mope. He'd be mopey. There, there'd be moping. Yeah, but I mean, this is a pretty serious chapter, so I don't want to joke about it too much. So then, Adolin takes him to this bar. It's not like the classiest bar, but it's reputable-ish. It's like in the in the reputable. Uh, area of Erythiru's trade sector. And he's in this bar, and he's a regular there. He's got his own table that Shalon has carved art into the table and stuff. And I think this is the first time we actually get confirmation that Adolin and Shalon have actually married over the last year, or I might have missed it before. Yeah, that was Not literally the end of the previous book. Yeah, it was her. I don't remember no winking and fading out. Yeah, there was pretty much a wink fade. I mean, it was the ceremony, right? Like, they were talking about it. Nah, or did they just talk no, about like, that they were going to get married? Like, like Marais brought her brothers as a wedding gift. And yep, yep. there was, uh, Yasna wrote them a poem. And that was her gift. Kelek, 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 Kelek. Kogdor smote the Kelek. And all was laid to burn a nation. I can't believe you forgot the wedding, considering that your favorite book in the Cosmere also ends in a wedding. Elantris? Well of, well, of Ascension, it didn't end in a wedding. They got married, like, toward the end of the book. It ends in a wedding, and then they fight some stuff. 
It ends in a wedding and and, and six chapters following the wedding. <laughs> so anyways, they're at this bar and at the bar there's a wedding celebration for well it's like a tavern restaurant-y place. Uh, there's a, a wedding celebration for uh this guy named Dakna and Adolin actually has a little wedding gift for him, which is pretty cute. You know, he's 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 uh, more minglesome with his subordinates than Dalinar would like him to be. And Kaladin's like, you know what? Adolin makes it work. That's pretty cool. And Shallan is getting worse. And Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface talks to Adolin about being a radiant. He's like, why don't you become a radiant? You'd be a good fit. And he's like, nah, I gotta, I, I have to keep my shard blade and eat chicken and wear my mother's necklace. And then the wedding party kind of breaks up, and the end of the scene is Numuhuku Makiaki Ayalunamore talking to Adolin here, or talking to talking to Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface, and you know it's they're saying goodbye. Numuhuku Makiaki Ayalunamore is going back to the Horn Eater Peaks to face judgment for picking up the bow and killing Amaram, and uh, neither of them thinks that they'll see each other again. Kaladin decides not to escort Numehuku Makiaki Ayalunamore back to the Hornator Peaks because it would just he would just be going to try to protest and like, no, nah, you know what? Numehuku Makiaki Ayalunamore knows what he's doing and he's made up his mind. But uh he Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface will send an escort of Windrunners to take Numehuku Makiaki Ayalunamore back to the Hornator Face Judgment. Meanwhile, Cord and other Rock song. Kid song. I thought Song was the wife. Or is it more different song? It no, might one be of them more is named different. So, honest, I can't keep track of rock songs. Okay. honestly. So Cord and another one of the Lunamore kids, the twins. Uh, the t- Cord has a twin. Yeah, twin brother. Uh, it's the one who's staying. Anyway, uh, yeah, two of them are gonna stay in Erythiru and stuff. Which I thought the part, point of Cord getting shards was to help defend Hornet. Whatever, I'm sure. I'm sure it won't be brought up again. She has to train with them and like learn how to use them properly. Ah, uh, yeah. Is Ahil still around? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out later. Uh, so let's talk about this chapter. Uh, in fact, let's talk about this chapter from perspective of one of our listeners who wrote some stuff somewhere in one of our channels. I have too many channels. I can't keep track of stuff. I don't know where this stuff went. Dang it. Uh, never mind. Let's move on, because I can't find it. I'm not sure where the stuff went. Oh, you got time to look, because Craig lost internet, so just give him a minute. I know he did, but I still can't find where the thing is. Ba-ba-ba, ba-ba-ba. Nope, nothing. Yeah, I don't know where this is. Um, but one of our one of our listeners posted in the Discord that they just really like this chapter as an excellent... Um, portrayal of depression so yeah i also want to get into the annotations but i think i want to wait until we're done with chapter 13 so we can just do them all at once okie dokie because i forgot to mention them with chapter 11 yeah it would be like that time where i was serving a table of four and i took three people's orders and i was like oh i should have offered them salad individually one at a time so i asked the first three people if they wanted salad and the fourth person was like (laughs) You didn't take my order yet. I was like, I'm getting to you. Relax. Anyway, what was the question? Annotations? Are we waiting chapter 13? Yeah, let's just wait until we're done with chapter 13 for 
annotations. Uh, meanwhile, let's go back and actually talk about this chapter. Um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so Kaladin is not doing well mentally. He is just thoroughly exhausted. Just got done with a battle that partially didn't go well for him. Uh, then he got side... He got just out of nowhere fired by Dalinar. And so he's in a real low place. So Sulfrena goes out and finds one of a handful of people who can order him to go out and be social and not be depressed and alone. And it's Adolin, everybody's favorite Adolin. Yay, Adolin. Yay, Adolin. Yay. Adolin. And is Craig back with us? The lack of response is not a positive thing, I think. Fill the void so that it doesn't get edited automatically. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, I forget what else I was going to say. Scroll around a little bit. Uh, hanging out at the bar, whatever. The bar's not that important. There's stuff about Shallan in this chapter. Yeah, there's some good Shallan stuff, but I'm trying to focus on Caitlin. Or, Caitlin. Kaladin. Excuse me, his name is actually Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface. Dreamy Gagadin. Yeah, I got nothing. I would like to have a Craig, but I don't have one of those right now. So I guess chapter 13. Chapter 13. Another Hunt Seinfeld reference. Oh, yeah, this is about... All right, you know that Seinfeld bit where he talks about how morning guy wakes up and he hates night guy because night guy stays out and doesn't go to bed on time and then morning guy's miserable when he gets up. And, like, the only thing morning guy can do to get back at him is sleep in so that day guy loses his job and night, night guy doesn't have any money to go out. It's like that, but with Shallan's personalities. Sure. All right. Craig, yeah. did you have anything for Chapter 12? Um, I don't know if we were going to mention what was uh, talked about in our Discord. I tried to, but I couldn't find it again, so I just gave a quick overview. But if you know where it is, then give it to us. Uh, I have to find it. Unfortunately. Yeah, I have no idea what channel it got written in, so bleh. I mean, if Golden Devil is still listed... So, unfortunately, my stream dropped. Um, So, if he's still around and he can point to where it is... But yeah, this, this is this is a very key chapter. I, I don't know what you guys mentioned, unfortunately, because I got disconnected, but I, I will point out that one of the things that Brandon has talked about before is that it's hard to write a character that happens to have depression. It's... There's there's story reasons. Uh, by the way, side note, episode discussion of the spoiler channel has Golden Devil's thoughts. Yes, just found it. Okay. Um. So yeah, well, one of the things Brandon has talked about is that it's a very hard to write a character that happens to suffer from depression. Um. And that's just because in terms of having a protagonist or a character, you want them to be very active. And it's hard when someone suffers and you're actually trying to be um, good about how you write and handle this particular issue. It's very hard to to have that. Um, sorry, uh, lost my train of thought for a moment. It's very hard to write a character who can be active but also be respectful towards someone who has depression. So it doesn't it doesn't really fit together. You can't have an active character who also is suffering from depression. So he's talked about this before. It's one of his pieces of advice he gives for for new writers is. Don't write a character with any like you want to give your characters flaws and issues that they need to overcome or resolve and that sort of thing. But you want it typically to be external in some fashion um, just because it makes a character be active. So 
when Brandon designed Kaladin, it was like, well, you know, he he knew he would suffer from depression. And I know at least this book from what we read of the annotation is that he was actually legit dealing with it properly. This is how it would come about in writing someone who happens to have depression. So he tried his best to show it. And like, uh, it's hard for me to say I'm not one who, who should speak on this. Uh, but we do have someone who spoke on this. So, uh, Mike, not, uh, not right. you particularly, but I'm talking about from the Discord. Yeah, I've got I've got the section up so I can read it verbatim. Uh, that entire chapter and everything with Kaladin and Adolin is one of my absolute favorite scenes because it is just so true to what depression is like. I read Rhythm of War when it came out, which is when I was in the midst of some of my worst depression, and Brandon throughout this book just nails it perfectly. It starts with Kaladin wanting to just disappear, to not be surrounded by others' happiness. He's glad they're happy, but he's feeling alone and isolated. You have everyone else knowing he's in pain, trying to help, but Kaladin just can't see an out. He feels like he has to stand apart even though everyone wants to help, because he feels like he can't be a burden. If you've been depressed, you know this feeling. Uh, so this is me again. Yeah, yeah, a big part of it is, you know, you don't want to talk about it to anybody because why should they have to deal with it? It already sucks enough that you have to deal with this. Why Why drag other people into it? And back. And then he goes, and then he gets home, gets alone, and realizes how empty he is, and he just completely breaks down. He can't even cry because he's hurting so much inside. Instead, he's just hyperventilating, shaking, he's breaking and he's overwhelmed, Again, if you've been depressed, you know this. But then one person comes in and says, I don't care what you say, I'm not going to let you be alone. Syl knows how badly he's hurting and goes to get help. And Adolin and Syl refuse to let Kaladin do what he wants. Adolin asks him directly to swear that he should be alone, and when he's forced, Kaladin can't say it. And again, if you've been depressed, you know what it's like when you have that friend who says, I'm not letting you be alone, when that is all you want. And despite how angry he is, Kaladin thanks Syl for getting Adolin. They don't make Kaladin do anything he doesn't want, but just being with Kaladin, Shallan, and Adolin help him. Adolin tries to ask Kaladin to talk, and even though Kaladin doesn't want to, he gets him to open up, and it helps. I've never read a work that really gets what depression is like in such a way. It's just a beautiful chapter, even as it's so heartbreaking. How how good... I love Adolin this chapter. Like, he was he was fine in Way of Kings, like when I first read about him. But just every book, in my opinion, Adeling gets better. Like he, he's a, he's not necessarily a main character, but he helps hold people together. He can, he can get people to open up. He he knows how to interact with people, and that's super useful. Just just having a friend, I think, it's so good. But he can't keep track of the ghost bloods and the honor and the sons of honor. <laughs> he <laughs> has no can. idea. <laughs> Wait, weren't uh, they the ones who I were mean... fighting? Let's not overlook the fact that his wife also has schizophrenia. So, or I'm sorry, I don't. Is that a? I don't know if she clinically does. Or uh, mul- multiple does. personality disorder. Uh, yeah. That is a really old terminology. Currently, as far as I know, it's dissociative identity something. Oh, thank DID. you for the correction. Dissociative Mike. identity disorder, I think. And I apologize yeah. if uh, the word that I said is taboo and Mike doesn't edit it out. No, their schizophrenia is still a diagnosis, and it's similar in a lot of ways. But uh, it it is distinct. So, Adolin does his best, but he really he he doesn't know what to do with that kind of situation, and I certainly don't blame him. Like with Shalon, no idea. They they need mental professionals on Roshar. 
Like, but where would where would what one find such things, Craig? Apparently, the Ardents, which isn't a lot. Yeah, I don't remember if it was this chapter, but there is a a little bit of an implication that the Ardentia is running something similar to the regret- regrettable asylums of human history. But Maybe yeah. not that bad. Let's but. go back to chapter 13, which is much happier and only involves Shallan thinking about killing her mom and her dad. And Craig missed the Seinfeld reference. I did. The only thing Morning Guy can do to get back at Night Guy is to sleep in so that Day Guy loses his job and Night Guy doesn't have any money to go out. I.e. Shallan and Vale. Alright. Uh, Shallan pretends to be back at home in the Devar's drawing room. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't listen. <laughs> no, he totally should. It's valid. <laughs> Balat's mysterious friend. Horse. That's the first scene in this chapter. Go on, Craig. I didn't read this Make chapter, so someone else. There's a horse, and Adolin's riding it, and the horse's name is Gallant, and Shallan tries to see him out her balcony. But that had nothing to do with the important stuff this chapter. Uh, Shallan goes to visit her brothers, and she sits on the hearth rug and starts drawing and reminiscing of old times from back before she killed her mom, or between when she killed her. No, she has a stepmom. In her flashbacks, so in her reminiscing, in her reverie, I think is a good word here. Reverie. And Balot shows up from being a security guard, and he has his buddy security guard, and Shallan says, I recognize your security guard, buddy. It's no, she, Marie. Nope, not, not yet, she doesn't. She recognizes his voice first. She's like, yep, that sure is another guard that is friends with my brother. Better not pay attention to it and keep on drawing. Yeah, well, she likes drawing. Can't and, say as I blame and, her. And later when Vale takes over, she's like, why didn't you pay attention to the stranger coming in here? What's wrong with you? Yeah. One, she's not Vale. All right, next scene. Marisi has a scar and a mole. I have a mole. Remember that line? Uh, That was from Robin Hood Men in Tights, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the mole that moves around? Yeah, Richard Lewis's mole. Yeah. It's hey, uh, Oh, it's not Marisi's mole. It's Chekhov's mole. Did someone mention Japanese language last week? Yes. Okay. I was like, oh, the way that she mispronounces these planets and the Cosmere is kind of like Japanese. I feel like maybe someone mentioned that. <laughs> But that was definitely and a Tory maybe, thing to mention. That's, yes. <laughs> that's what made me think of it. The fact that someone else already mentioned it. <laughs> oh, man. So the ghost bloods are basically Ned Frischman from Dave the Barbarian. Right, Craig? Sid Hoffman. No, Ned Frischman. Sid Frenchman. You know who Ned Frischman is in Dave the Barbarian? No, I've never watched oh, Dave the Barbarian. Goodness. Ask your wife about you're Ned the, You're Frischman. talking to Listen. the wrong jet. The wrong uh, set. Pretend that none of us have seen Dave the Barbarian, and that maybe our listeners haven't either. And I mean, that's a it, ridiculous please. notion, but I'll I'll play I'll play Devil's Pancakes with you. All right, so Dave the Barbarian takes place in Barbarian times, and in one episode, there was a guy from present day, and his name was Ned Frischman, and he was a nerd that worked for a pants factory. And one day, he finds a radioactive zipper that allows him to. Zip open a, a hole in space time, so he goes back in time. 
So of course he goes back in time, the barbarian times where he meets our heroes, Dave, Dave, the barbarian and his sisters and all. And what Ned Frischman does is he gives away free Game Boys to everybody. I think they're called Game Guys, but whatever. They're, he gives free Game Boys away to everybody. And he's getting everyone addicted to video games so that he he can go back to the future and get a bunch of batteries. And so he's in control of all the batteries. So when everyone's addicted to the video games, he has to provide the batteries to everybody. And he becomes like the ruler of the world in barbarian times because he has control of the battery. Uh, and so, yeah, that's basically what the ghost bloods are doing. They're they're trying to be in charge of distributing spheres full of investiture to other planets in the cosmos. Yeah. Yeah. They're controlling the batteries. Yep. There's assault and battery. All right. Uh, so let's see. Grabs popcorn for the Cosmere lecture. Blah, blah, blah. It's, it's just like, there's just, I don't have my book on me, but there's just this, this one particular sentence where Marisi goes from, oh, we're talking about power and stuff and stuff. And then he's like, and then it's just like one sentence he introduces like, you see, in the Cosmere, there is this substance known as investiture. Like, okay, here's, here comes the uh, here comes the Vacher-esque lecture. <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually, I need to go back and read Warbreaker and get a load of that. But it's too expensive to buy You miss Vasher so much. <laughs> it's like, I miss Vasher so much, it's like I'm seeing him on Roshar. Like, wow, how bizarre. All right. Uh, the secret ghost blood is a light weaver, not one of Adolin's dudes. Maybe. Surprise, surprise. So Shalon says, ah, one of your ghost bloods that killed Isla, he's, he's one of Adolin's men, right? And Marizu's like, let's just say I've taken particular interest in the Light Weavers. Implying, but not outright saying that probably, maybe, the secret ghost blood among their ranks one of Shalon's people. And like, I mean, Ithaca is the most obvious person, right? Like, whatever her name, what's her name? Not if you're talking about the one that they analyzed. Ishna, Ishna right? Ishna. Ishna. Okay. So remember when she randomly runs into Ishna? She's like, I need people to train my people how to be spies. And then Ishna's just like there out of nowhere. And she's like, Marisi, should I trust this Ishna person? And Marisi's like, Yeah, she cool. Like, come on. Well, she's the most obvious. She, she didn't ask for permission. She's just like, I'm going to recruit this person. And, and then like, Marisa's good. like, we looked into her, and that's fine. It's like, come on, I don't need your approval. It's I, I think I think that it is Ishna, and here's why. Ishna's the most obvious choice, so she we would never think that it's Ishna. So the trick is that it is actually the obvious this time. It's Ishna. Okay. Can't fault that logic. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's not Gaz. If it's Gaz, then I'll I'll take a picture of myself holding my copy of the book angrily and post it discord <laughs> where might Dude, i listen to want that to be true so bad i just want to see that we'll see oh what what will you do if it's not gas i'll forget that i made this wager yeah that's fair okay uh so who how could our listeners see this hypothetical picture that might someday exist <laughs> there's just no way dave Modern technology oh, has simply man. not figured out a way for people to join our Discord by going to patreon.com slash CosmereCast. Oh, man. I bet they, modern technology, also, they don't have to support us. It would be awesome if they did, but and, but they don't have to do server technology. Yeah, that technology definitely doesn't exist. But if the technology exists and they decided they wanted to support us, 
what kind of stuff would they also get to listen to by being supporters? If the technology existed, I, I mean, there might yeah, be bonus patron-only content episodes, but that definitely Ooh, doesn't exist. Fun. So, Craig, hypothetically, if there were Patreon or patron-only content episodes, yeah. what would those be about? I don't know, maybe Terminator. We could talk about Terminator and Terminator 2. Uh, aliens. Uh, we could talk about Aliens. The movie, not, I mean, we haven't yet talked about real aliens, hypothetically. So wait, there's there's an episode on the concept of alien life in the universe? Oh, no, about the James Cameron movies, Aliens. You mean Ridley Scott? Yeah. Yeah, what? Jimmy Cam's is, uh, is Terminators. Scotty oh Riddles. Oh my gosh. Uh, Scotty uh. Riddles did, uh, did the Aliens... Good thing I wasn't in that episode, or I'd be a fool. I'd make a fool of myself. A perfectly justified, prudent fool. Anyway, that sounds good, hypothetically, to watch these bonus non-Cosmere-related content, which is fun to talk about, maybe. All right, let's get back to the chapter. Uh, the secret ghost blood is a light weaver? Surprise! Surprise! That sounded more like, oh, I'm sorry, than Gomer Pyle. It really now did. Now I'm it thinking so there, might be an, there might be an inspiration. Maybe Gomer Pyle inspired Hamsar. I I honestly thought you were just doing Homsar, yeah. Now say I'm a trendy tote bag. Okay. What threat was Eli after they found the Oath Gate? What did Gavilar? Wait. Uh, Eli was trying to overthrow the Alethi Kingdom. That's what threat she that, was. That's the reason that Mrazy gives for wanting to take out Eli. I think uh, not. My apologies. Okay. Mm, Ristaris well, is hiding in lasting integrity, shaded more. Marizy knows some stuff, and that's it. Okay, that's it. so the threat ILI was was providing was attempting to undermine the war effort, basically. She was adding chaos to an already overly chaotic environment, where Mraz and the Ghostbloods would like stability, at least to some extent, because what they're trying to achieve is much easier with some stability. If the system is too stable, then they may add some chaos to make it easier for themselves. But full-blown planetary war? Too chaotic. Not enough stability. So they're neutral? Well, not entirely neutral, because they want the humans to win, because they don't see dealing I mean, with the... Uh... I didn't mean Switzerland neutral, I meant law chaos. Yeah. Like neutral on the law chaos axis. But yeah, they're they're not on board with, you know, the fused winning because they don't think they'll be able to deal with the fused quite as well as with the humans. Maurice does go into this whole talk about how Gavilar was trying to become a herald. So yeah. what's up with I that? Mean, he he kind of like he so Shalon asks why was Ili a threat? And then Maurice answers, Well look what was Gavilar trying to do? He was trying to become a herald. And that's his answer to the question of why did we kill Eli? I mean, because I think Eli and Gavilar were both members of the Sons of Honor. Is that correct? Um, at different times, but yes. Uh, I would like to pose okay. a thought of what if instead of that being his answer, that was his deflection? Ah, yeah. That's Marisi. And uh, Ristaris is either the founder or the CEO of the Sons of Honor, and right now he's taking asylum in Lasting Integrity, Shadesmar, which is Sylphrena's hometown. And Shalon, Shalon's new orders are to go and find Ristaris, and when she sees him, 
she'll know what to do. And she thinks that maybe Rastaris, in addition to being the president of the Sons of Honor, will become the immediate past president of the Staying Alive Club. I mean, that's that's the implication. Uh, did anybody else feel like Mrazy's whole mole monologue was really clumsy? Yeah. I mean, I, I get that he was trying to explain the concept of a mole to someone who didn't know what a mole was. And also it was one of Shallan's personas that didn't care about moles and, like, natural history. So I guess there were some speed bumps to that, but yeah, seemed very clumsily handled. I will agree, even though I haven't read it. Like, I feel like a better way to do it would just be to have Shallan immediately recognize what a mole is and then have the conversation continue as though they both know what they're talking about so that Mraze can less awkwardly imply stuff. Maybe? Yeah, Shalon's a student of natural history. She might know what that thing is. All right, let's talk about the annotations to this week's chapters. Who's got them open besides me? Maybe, excuse me, maybe you should do the first one then, Mike. Maybe I should do the first one. I bet you'd like that, wouldn't you, Craig? I'm pulling it up. I could do it. No, I got got it. it. I got it ready. Chapter 11. Dropped the ball a little on my annotation this week. Was busy yesterday writing a picture book. Parentheses. Yes, I know. Look, I needed a break to do something different, all right? I'll let you know if anything ever happens with it. End parentheses. Brandon. Anyway. He needs uh, to take a break from writing, so he writes. Yeah. (laughs) That's a secret project. I know what those are now. On to Venli. As I said last week, this is kind of the true chapter one to Rhythm of War. The Venli chapters in this book are second only to the Shallan chapters and the number and extent of the revisions I ended up doing. There's a fine balance to walk with her in a lot of ways, as will become more evident as the book progresses. One of those, however, is this. Venli doesn't see herself as a hero, nor is she interested in being one. Emotionally, she's not ready. She's not really about saying ideals. She feels she's the wrong person for whatever it is that has started to happen to her. This means there's a different tone between her and the other characters. What she mostly wants is to find a way to escape the powder keg she's gotten herself into, and while she does want to make amends for the things she's done, I wanted her to feel more normal person trapped in a strange situation in many ways than someone like Kaladin. What about Teft? Teft didn't want to be a thing. Well, Teft isn't a main character character. Like, he's not getting flashback books. Anyway, continuing. The fine line to walk here is that I didn't want her to come off petulant or be too annoying, but I also didn't want her to come off as a gung-ho, let's-be-heroes type. There's a delicate balance because there's a danger because it's very easy for readers to resent her for not being as on board with the story as the other characters. It was worth the risk and the likelihood that some people will just plain not like her viewpoints for me because I feel it adds variety of perspectives to the story. It's good to have someone who feels trapped in over their head, someone who doesn't know the right thing to do and is a little less proactive as a result. I like how authentic her viewpoints feel because of that. Hang on. We haven't had a proper flashback at all this book, not counting the prologue, right? Or am I forgetting one? Not yet. We have we haven't had a like seven years ago or something like that, other than but, the prologue. No. No, we have not yet. Um so I'd like to point out that what he's doing with Venley is very similar. The the similarity to me jumps out as the difference between the protagonists of Final Fantasy Tactics Advance and Final Fantasy Tactics A two. Have you guys played any of those? I played the first one with Marsh, I think so. 
protagonist? Yeah, I don't remember their names. Yeah, Marsh and the little the little kid mute that he goes to his house and they learn about evil lights. Newt or something? Mute. M U W. Okay. Yeah. I, I know the story to Final Fantasy Tactics, and I know I think it's Tactics Advance, where they reference the story uh that was in Final Fantasy Tactics. Okay. Yeah. So the main character of Tactics Advance just wants to go back home. That's all he wants. He's not gung-ho on the adventure. He just wants to go back home. Tactics A2, gung-ho on the adventure. Cool fantasy world. Let's hang out. This will be fun. That sounds like more fun from our main character. I remember March is like, hey, I want to go home. And then he finds Mute and he's like, oh, Mute, I found you. Now we can go home. And Mute's like, why would I want to go home? I'm pretty awesome here. Lift? What are you doing here? She sneaks up when you're least expected. So yeah, that's that's the comparison that I had, which isn't going to work for most people because I'll have to play A two. I kind of vaguely remember A one now that you're talking about it. Uh, so like mechanically, A two I feel is better in addition to having like a protagonist who actually wants to be there. Um, they don't have quite as many obnoxious judge things, and the penalties for not doing them are. <laughs> Oh, they're abusable, though, which was lovely. Sure, but if you don't follow the laws, you just don't get extra bonuses. Whereas in advance, if you don't follow the laws, you lose a character. <laughs> That's very punishing. Well, you can you can bust them out, or they, they get out after a few battles. So, all right, if I remember now, March wants to go home, Mute wants to stay there, and then there's also a girl character whose name escapes me. And she's just kind of like, well, this is my life now. Time to make the best of it. All right. Chapter 12's annotation. I Who can wants, do it. Who wants this one? I'll do it. This is the... Oh. Ritz. The girl's name was Ritz. <clears throat> Chapter 12. This is the last we'll see of Rock in this book, I'm afraid. No, I'm not Boiler. saying his proper name. So, Dave? What does Brandon say? He says Rock. Wow. What a cop out. <laughs> um, I really... Hope to be able to do the Rock Navilia sometime in the next few years to trace his course. <laughs> N- novella, novella, I'm sorry. But one of the things I forced myself to do in the series is to keep the focus on the main storylines and characters. Epic fantasy tends to involve ballooning casts, and this tends to derail books as the author lets their focus move away from the primary storyline towards side characters. I cough, some rigid... Robert Jordan, cough. Yeah, I put so some rigid requirements. On myself. The annotation. No, that, that's a mic annotation to be reading Brandon's annotation. I put some rigid requirements on myself when I started Stormlight that required me to move side stories out of the main narrative. It's odd to be talking about trying to keep books this length lean, quote unquote lean, but I believe one of the strengths of the series is that it has so far kept its eye on the proverbial goal. This is more important than ever, with book five being the end of the first sequence. That said, what we're witnessing here is a kind of Bridge 4 as a... Oh, sorry. What we're witnessing here is the end of Bridge 4 as a cohesive entity, at least as it existed in the series up until now. I was sad for all the fun of the chapter to be moving into the sequence of the stories. There was a temptation, of course, to just <laughs> this let was a Bridge... a fun f- chapter? For all the fun of... Yeah, huh. Um, there was a temptation, of course, to just let Bridge 4 continue to be Bridge 4, but it wouldn't feel right. Lives change and evolve. My tight-knit friend group from college can never be the same again, not now that we all have families and jobs. Bridge 4 couldn't remain the same either. 
One of the problems with some forms of media, like extended network television shows, is the format's inability to let the status of the characters evolve, change, and grow. For a series like this, we need progression, and we need to let Bridge 4 become something else, like the fourth bridge. If we're sad about the changes, the early books will always be there to experience again. As for the Catelyn, Adolin, <laughs> Kaladin, Adolin, Shalad interaction. Say his name right, Craig. Dreamy Gaganin. No, his name <laughs> is now Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface. Oh, that's a mouthful. Yeah, their interactions, I actively look for moments like these to put into the novels. It's important to let the characters live, and one of the reasons I enjoy epic fantasy is that it, with the space afforded me, allows for more time like this. It's important to let the characters live. You know, like Marsh and Yasna and Sylphrena. The crew of the Enterprise should have been serving on that ship for a maximum of a year at a time and moving on to, like, promotions instantly. Like, crewing the Enterprise <laughs> should have been the fast track to promotion. Yeah, Riker, Riker declined promotion after promotion. Then he shouldn't have still been on the Enterprise. The Enterprise should have been for promising upcoming people to to get real world experience in high tension um blah high tension situations situations and then if they do well move on to commands of their own or departments of their own on other ships like i can see leaving picard there everyone else no absolutely not you like how in the original series they had a 5 year mission because they kind of had like a plan of when to end the series i guess but then like in the next generation they just say continuing mission because they wanted to milk it well they were hoping it would be more than just five years and it was and they were right seven seven years and four eh, two and a half movies (laughs) i'm curious which movies you think are canon because i only like one of them well they're all canon yeah that's the problem (laughs) i all right i mean Insurrection was decent. Like it was, it wasn't great, but it was strongly like, right. disagree with you there, Dave. <laughs> it was, it was watchable. I, I mean, maybe I'll have to watch it, it again. It was not Nemesis, so it is Nemesis. Watchable, yes. I didn't, I couldn't even finish Nemesis. Uh, that is the correct answer. Yes, <laughs> I was like literally, like, I was getting tired, and I had maybe ten or fifteen minutes left in Nemesis, and I was just like. And I'll just go to bed. I'll, I'll I'll watch the last ten minutes tomorrow. I never never did. I got up. I just decided. You know what? I don't need to finish watching that movie. Insurrection was a not great episode that ran long and had a better special effects budget than normal. It's watchable. Like I said, I liked Generations and First Contact. But... Generations was phenomenal until the the break between Act Two and Act Three. Is that when Data gets the emotion chip? No, that's when we lose all of the tension and, like, all of the pacing and go have an extended flashback with Kirk and the, with <laughs> with Kirk in heaven. I don't remember it too much, um, but I do remember the beginning of First Contact when Data's starting to be annoying again and Picard is like, Data, turn off your emotion chip. It's not canon anymore. <laughs> well... I mean that's not even real Picard. That's that's John McClane, star captain of the Starship Enterprise. Oh, was it not Picard? Uh, I don't, I don't even remember. No, First Contact turns Picard into an action movie star, and since he's bald, it's Bruce Willis. Oh, John McClane is uh, the guy from that Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Not yeah, Christmas, but... good job. Yeah, 
I was thinking of Shirley MacLaine. Anyway. So chapter 13's annotation. Tori, I think it's your turn. Sure, I got you. Chapter 13. Most of you probably know that it has been important to me to keep the Cosmere behind the scenes for most of the book series. I don't want a person to have to track all the different books in order to enjoy the one they're currently reading. But we want to. <laughs> oh no. The lar- Dave, we've led you astray. I'm sorry. This isn't the Cosmere Deep Dive podcast. Brandon just said he doesn't want you to have to track all the different books in order to enjoy the one they're currently reading. Well, time to read Oathbringer before Warbreaker. Sorry, I'm having a dark, uh, barking dogs moment, so... Are Not you Oathbringer, Rhythm of War. Done? Okay. Not a rhythm of war. Words of radiance. Orf. Boof. They were not done. Okay, I think they're done now. Future Mike, edit this t shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Annotations. All right. The large scale plan for the books, however, has them slowly converging towards certain events in the future. Less crossovers and more that the nature of what I'm creating is about different worlds who share a background, history, and eventually future. So we're slowly moving out of what I'd call the each series separate era of the Cosmere and into the careful mixing era. The goal for these books will be to still make it that you don't feel you need to remember everything or need to follow everything. I hope to be able to walk this particular tightrope in such a way that someone who has never read any of the other Cosmere books doesn't feel left out, but rather that there are mysterious and interesting things happening, but the core stories still make sense. However, if I want to lay the groundwork for what I eventually want to do, it will require more bleed over than I've allowed in the past. This chapter is one of those that illustrates this new philosophy on my part. The let them mix, but try to do it in a way that doesn't undermine the integrity of the series philosophy. We'll see how well I manage it. FYI, chapter 15 goes even a little further in this area than this chapter did. Though don't expect full-blown cross-contamination between the series until the Space Age Cosmere era, which is still a ways off. Wait, what if the Cosmere tapped an ATM mine? It could evolve into the Space Age. Like, if there's an unaspected ATM mine, you could actually age yourself, right? Uh, Only if you give the Cosmere a space stone while it's standing near the space rock, and then it'll evolve into Space Cosmere. Oh, just like... uh... Charizard. All right. Um, guys, I kind of feel like that's an episode. It is so far. Sounds good to me. What? Craig isn't pummeling me for spoiler time? I was really expecting more of a fight on that. Nah, if you want to end, uh, good for me. I do. We've been going for a while, and I'd really like to not be in this chair anymore. So. Yeah. Good night, Internet. Bye, everybody. Bye, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.